Hello, fellow journeymen of martial arts, and welcome to another martial arts journey podcast. As we are expanding this podcast, I'm very happy to to see that more and more subjects are covered, more and more guests appear, and I have some really great, amazing plans for uh, further guests for the podcast. I'm thinking about uh, planning to invite uh, the Aikido Flow guys for a chat and planning to talk with Ramsey uh, Devin, I suppose the, the surname is, but Ramsey, I'm pretty sure most of you know from his YouTube channel, which is very much growing. I'm really looking forward to talk to him. So, and a lot of other guests that I'm planning to have here, and I'm sure it's going to be a blast. So just wanted to celebrate this moment with you of expansion and of just just growing the value that this podcast can can offer. And, and thank you again for listening to it and supporting it in this way. Now, before uh, I let you to the official podcast itself, to the talk itself, I will quickly introduce, as always, uh, what's new about this one, what's new in this one. So you have already been introduced on a couple of occasions in the Martial Arts Journey YouTube channel to Nathaniel Chalkin, but we were mostly focusing together with him about on Aikido and just questioning Aikido. But also Nathaniel works on integrating martial arts into leadership and coaching. And I was always personally fascinated by the concepts of leadership and, and coaching. And, and I thought what great opportunity it will be to talk to him about his other areas of expertise and to learn about not only the the Aikido side of his life, but also how he approaches uh, the whole side of martial arts and mixing them with coaching. How is that expressed and what values does it offer? What How martial arts can offer and help you to develop and to grow. And so this is one of the twists for the podcast that is happening right now. So I talked with Matt Thornton about personal growth in BGJ and combat sports. This will be a podcast about personal growth through martial arts uh, for leadership and uh, and just 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 becoming a better human being and so i really want to touch with you and offer you as much as to myself but also definitely for you the audience i really want to get a taste together with you to the whole aspects of what a martial martial arts journey can offer that it's not just the physical it's not just about fighting it's not just about Sorry, my dog is here. It's not just about fighting. It's not just about uh, about battling others, but it's it, it has so many ranges, and you can you can learn and develop so much on the mat that you can bring off the mat. And I hope that this podcast will help you uh, just just kind of soak it in and 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 learn more about how martial arts can be expressed through other means. Last thing I'll say is that uh, this podcast different than the other ones uh, so i also release it as a video form and there's some slides that nathaniel is showing they're not necessary to see although some of them are really awesome and it's worth seeing them so you may after you listen to the podcast or before you listen or as you listen to the podcast you can turn on the video on the youtube channel just to see those slides but even if you don't don't worry about it we tried our best to talk about them in such a way that you would not have to see them, but just wanted to give you a heads up that this is the first podcast that has extra value as uh, if you watch it on as a video, but if you don't, don't worry about it. Uh, I'm sure it's still going to be great. So without further ado, I will let you go to the podcast and enjoy. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so, nice to see you. Happy birthday. 
Yes, thank you very much. Um, again, I'm very happy to, to have you here. Thank you for finding the time to, to have this talk with me. I'm very excited. We've, we've talked before, uh, now on a couple of occasions, but never specifically directly around this realm. And, and in the past, there was so much. While I'm sure, I have a feeling Aikido may come up, it's still, uh, in the past, it was more Aikido-based, our, our connection point. And now I'm much more open to, to hear uh, everything about what you do. So I'm very excited. Thank you for finding the time to do that. It's totally my pleasure. And I find it so interesting how much time we've spent debating Aikido when right. the, name of your, the new name of your channel is very reflective of what I care about even more deeply than anything, which is martial arts right. journey. The path of human development for people and transformation so often. And your story as you're living it now is so reflective of that. And Hmm. we we can talk about on the mat and why are we even doing on the mat in the first place? That's the question. What is it off the mat? I'm, I'm so just as fascinated with that story. And of course, the relationship between the two, because we are talking about martial arts. Yeah, I very much resonate with what you're saying. And I try to emphasize this from time to time on my channel, but I never feel like I get enough of that. But that for me, martial arts is a tool for, for personal growth. I see it as a tool and I see so much potential in it much further, be, than, much further beyond than just physical skills and training. And uh, from what conversations we had and from what I investigated about your work, you definitely seem to, to have a great perspective, like a clear perspective on, on, on both of those sides. So not just the skill set, but also how that applies to leadership and I would imagine team building or, or just everything, I guess. So I'm very curious to, and we never really talked a lot about that while you're an expert in that field. So I'm very interested to, to know to, uh, what, how, we, how you structure these things and, and everything. That's great. I really take this as an opportunity to help raise a little awareness about what the word integral means. It doesn't mm. mean the same thing as people may be hearing it as in holistic or new age or postmodern. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what would be really interesting to get into because there's a way of transcending and including all mm. the previous approaches. And mm. that applies just as well to martial arts. Um, and it, it is in a certain sense relative to martial arts, relevant to martial arts as well, because there, you see the culture wars going on. There are mm. very, Clear, deline- clearly delineated worldviews, and every individual thinks their truth is the only truth that's actually correct. Mm. It's almost like politics or religion, mm. or religion versus atheism. And to start to put some labels on these things so that you can understand, oh, that's where that person's coming from. Oh, that's why. That's, those are the life conditions that would give rise to someone valuing that. And then to see that mm. as true, and you find something true and useful in it and see it as partial because there's right. your perspective if you're willing to take multiple perspectives. So that's, that's really what integral means. And um, my, so my degree is in integral psychology with a focus in coaching. Right. Um, and I, the reason I think integral awareness or consciousness is so important is because of how much either or thinking there is going on it's we live in very polarizing times 
Um, mm. And so even from the foundations of Western civilization, when you look at Socrates and Plato, their mm. whole system of inquiry and, and what they call dialectic was how do you take a both and perspective and mm. argue both sides of an argument and see the validity in each. And if you can, then there's a middle way. There's something that you come to see that you couldn't see if you were only identified with either extreme. Mm. And so that's the essence of what integral means as well. Is, is there value in Aikido? Mm. Is there value in street self-defense? Is there value in traditional martial arts? Is there value in modern combat sports? Right. Which one's the most valuable? Well, yes. And, and you, you can, it's very easy to walk into a gathering of martial artists and, or watch a YouTube video and you're going to see the arguments begin. And it's going to denigrate into name calling very quickly without understanding really what the value is in each one. So that, that's where I'm hailing from. And I have some slides I can share to that effect if it's mm -hmm. in our dialogue. And otherwise, I'm really open to your questions and um, and yes, the second part of this whole thing is I have uh, leadership and organizational development consultancy. Mm. So I work with executive teams and actually bring the core principle of what it means to have a dojo or academy as a community of practice. And we turn mm. leadership development into a practice inside of organizations. So it's not a start and stop training because when's the last time you got good at anything in a, a weekend kind of edutainment event format? you're not going to learn jujitsu in a weekend. So how are you going to grow as a person or as a leader in a weekend? So you have to invite everyone in any organization to be on the mat, so to speak, and practicing. And mastery, of course, is something that happens through time. The, uh, the beauty of as if building the dojo or the leadership academy inside of a business is the, the context of running the business um, presents the opportunities for coaching, you know, feed, live feedback, uh, so that you're solving real business problems and through that process of applying the toolkit you're developing yourself so there's kind of a double bottom line around grow people people who are intrinsically motivated and high performers they they want more feedback they want more autonomy and influence mm -hmm. they, they want more a chance to master certain skills they want to get better and they want purpose and a, a big part of the purpose as we know and the secret sauce and everything i do is that tribe-like band of brothers and sisters, iron sharpens iron, that level of trust that you have with the people that you train with, no matter the martial art, there's something magical in that. And when you bring that into places where people work, and the people they train, the people they work with are like as if people they've trained with because mm -hmm. they've exposed one another to their weaknesses and given real authentic feedback and evolved and grown together, that creates a level of trust that is the perfect foundation for high performance. And of course, businesses do better when you have people who are um, open to growing in that kind of mm. way. It's not for everyone, just like aliveness in martial arts is not for everyone. Mm -hmm. You sure do grow rapidly if you're willing to expose yourself to the truth. So that's, that's the on the mat, mm. off the mat for me. All right. Cool. Well, there's actually very many directions which I'd like to go today, and uh, we'll see how many we can cover. But one of the initial points that I would like to ask, and actually ask Matt Thornton as well this question, and I, I really want to ask your perspective about this. So what is 
for you, and I guess it's actually related to, to what you just said right now, but to still clarify, what is, why, why do you, why do you choose martial arts as the tool of, uh, of personal growth, uh, of, of that exploration of truth? Why do you see, where do you see the unique value in martial arts? Is that the, would, would, is that the right uh, term to use for this conversation? Is it sure. martial arts? Okay. So, so martial arts, where do you see the unique value? What does it bring to the table of, of leadership, of, of growth, uh, of truth? that other practices or other tools uh, are not able to offer, uh, what, what would that point be? It's already interesting that you paused on what to call it. Because right. yes. it, it depends what you mean by martial arts. Mm. And then what do you get out of that as an activity depends on what kind of martial art. And, right. um, but even if we are talking about traditional martial arts, or combat sports, or just the general category of martial arts, um, there, there's something I can speak for myself that I was drawn to in the traditional martial arts um, that has to do with mind-body discipline and self-mastery. The Eastern mysticism of going to Japan, you know, I think mm -hmm. in, in the West we have a special affinity for what goes missing sometimes, and it's the inner mm -hmm. development. Mm -hmm stillness and the mindfulness and again the mastery so there's a real opportunity to like shugyo is the japanese term to, to polish and tighten the slack and i think that it's similar to any classical art form what do you what do you get from mastering a classical art form mm. in the first place it literally can um, cultivate um, the kind of maturity that individuals who have never taken on something before they, they grow in uh, service to the dojo. They grow in the discipline to show up and um, repeat something over and over again. So there's a huge amount of self-discipline that goes into that. And then there's a whole dimension of art. It's a martial art. Mm. But you can cultivate experiences of flow. Mm. in arts like that and also um, I think what's beautiful is you can self self-actualize in the sense of once you master any form which is kind of the first step then you start to find your own unique voice your own style mm. now I, I am speaking purely about traditional martial arts right now and mm. oftentimes the, the downside the limitation of it certainly one which I experienced was that you are uh, made to conform with fairly rigid, uh, not just rigid forms, like there's one true pure way that you need mm -hmm. to adhere to. Um, mm -hmm. Also, like you often end up copying your sensei's body type as well. Mm -hmm. Not only do you have, you do not have the freedom to do any forms, you have to do those forms in the style of, your teacher's body, which may be completely different from yours, or your teacher's mindset or strategic mm. style. So there's a whole other thing, and this is, I think, the point. Like, it's hard to even answer this question without saying, well, what type of martial arts? But mm. for me, when I transitioned out of traditional Aikido and into, uh, actually it was Matt Thornton's gym, Straight Blast Gym NorCal with Alan, Alan and Lily, I was so ripe 
just for aliveness and sparring and the freedom that, and the empowerment that comes from that. Again, it's not wrong to learn the value set of a traditional dojo. It's actually somewhat of a different value set. I learned a lot about service there too. And then when you go into a modern combat sport oriented gym, it's a different worldview. It's a different value set. It's not a dojo. It's a gym or an academy. And you go in there and it's more success oriented values and achievement and fitness and performance. God, there's data on this stuff. People have, you look at the Olympic judo data and you know what the best practices are, what the highest percentage techniques are. And those, that, those forms follow function because they work. So you repeat those forms, but then you play with it. So it's all about now uh, the scientific method and learning by doing and growing your own. There's a lot of great stuff in the sportive uh, approach just to compete. It's a lot of heart. More in a way, uh, the kind of assertiveness that you take away off the mat is very different from the kind of mindset you cultivate in the traditional art. Mm. It's not a right or wrong, and it's it's just different. Mm. Um, so I, the, having done so many years of just form, it was like a creative emergence. It was like I was so ready to play sure. and explore and all the creativity that comes in. Um, right. Permission to use what works. You know, Bruce, mm. Lee, Bruce Lee was the liberator. He was the modernizer, the world-centric thinker for martial arts. It doesn't depend on your cultural background. Um, that's the gospel truth. And instead of that, just how can I honestly express myself? What works? Let's evolve that. So mm. All of that is so empowering. And that's not mm. to mention, you know, what do you, why martial arts as opposed to other things, even if we're talking different kinds of martial arts. And I think Matt yeah. might speak to this as well. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll say it on two levels, on the mat and off the mat. Mm -hmm. On the mat, what I love to do is put together the physical game and the mental game. There's something about the human ego that is very, you know, we live in a fairly insecure world. We're all fighting to survive in the beginning at some point. So there's a way in which the ego gets confronted, either in a traditional art where you're, you're bowing to your sense that you're, you're submitting yourself to thousands of corrections. Most human egos don't want to hear feedback at all. So just to subject yourself to a, a process of being chiseled and, and that, that feedback, that correction, that mastery, that refines the ego in a certain way. And then mm -hmm. it's totally different to be willing then with your the perfect technique that you've chiseled to subject that to competition, to aliveness, mm -hmm. to go into the scientific space of I'm willing to have holes poked in my game. I'm willing to, and I look forward to you finding my blind spots and my gaps because I know that that's going to make me better. So you mm. win or you learn, as they say in jujitsu. And mm. there seldom are the kinds of egos that once they attain a certain level of skill or rank, like they're multiple degree black belts in some traditional art, they don't want to take off that belt and put on a white belt. And it's, that confronts the ego in a whole different kind of way. What is the reality of it objectively? 
And that, um, again, empowers you with uh, kind of a sense of confidence. And there's, this, there's a seasoning that happens when you do combat sports that it, it doesn't occur um, unless you take on your ego in that way. Uh, and so it's not to say that <clears throat> traditional arts are, um, are something that are spiritual. Mm. And combat sports are materialistic. They're not spiritual. It's not mm -hmm. that at all. They cultivate different things off the map. Right. Right. Mm. See, well, what, what I picked up and I'm curious to ask about, uh, in the beginning, you briefly mentioned that kind of brutal, on, almost brutal honesty, which uh, especially, I guess, alive uh, practices can bring on to the table of exposing yourself to your flaws and also being ex exposing yourself to feedback. And you mentioned numerous times the term itself, uh, feedback. Uh, so I'm curious, uh, how, uh, how does that translate to coaching or leadership, that, that aspect of, of honesty, that aspect of, of feedback, which is not always pleasant, which is not always easy? Is, is it, do you feel it's a necessary part of the equation or can you go around without that? Could you just say a bit about that? Sure thing. That if, if the work that I do in organizations is about anything, it is about feedback because that mm -hmm. is the mechanism of evolution. In the simplest sense, a feedback loop is you start with a certain action. Uh, you may even have a hypothesis as, or an injunction is the basis of running an experiment. What, what are you going to do? What do you think is going to happen? And then you mm -hmm. design the experiment so you can go out and test it. And not just test it, but control for um, the cause and effect relationship. Mm. So that you're mindful of your biases. Then you gather the data and analyze it and make sure that you weren't uh, biased in how you are interpreting the results. And you take those results to a community of the adequate, people who are going to pressure test it, what the conclusions are. And then the cycle begins again. So it's mm. these iterative loops that this is how nature works. Nature is complex adaptive systems. There's so many feedback loops in nature. So more to the point of you know, leadership development, uh, something that arose very naturally because of my background in martial arts was this notion of authenticity and aliveness and connection. So there's both mm -hmm. a high degree of trust in the people that we train with. I don't like sparring with people I don't trust. It mm -hmm. turns too sure. quickly into a fight. So you need, you need a high trust. We talked, Stephen Covey talked about putting deposits in the emotional bank account. So you have to have, mm -hmm. you have, to have a positive balance because, the, and there's marriage research, research on married couples with this as well. But basically the negative feedback that you give people costs three to five times as much as the positive. So there's something mm. that you need both high, high support and high challenge to have a thriving, um, supportive environment for personal growth. So what I've done, um, I, I was an executive coach for six or seven years and we always taught people to give feedback. Mm -hmm. um, and then as I went off on my own and started building it more into organizations where real work was being done and there were real results and real consequences, 
And so real mm. tensions would arise. I realized that, first of all, you have to, you have to go in search of the tensions because most cultures are not feedback-rich environments like the dojo or the academy is. Not at all. It's surprising. Even though these businesses somehow are evolving and surviving in the marketplace. Um, but what I started realizing is intuitively is that it didn't matter how much you taught people to give feedback if A, it wasn't safe to, um, and B, the, the hierarchical structure didn't invite the feedback to flow up. It only goes, the shit goes downstream, pardon me. Um, mm -hmm. A sense and respond relationship to feedback is very different where it would go up and down. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and fourth, that teams would be empowered to exchange their own feedback because leadership models that at the top. And, and lastly, it also doesn't matter how much you teach people to, um, you can't spar very well. I, I joke with people like, I promise you I won't just um, teach you how to punch but not how to block, how to defend yourself. Can you imagine if you know how to only know how to give feedback, but you don't know how to receive it hmm. and hear it as a perspective? And this is the whole upshift, like the operating system upgrade is from an objective kind of top-down hierarchy orientation of giving feedback to holding it as perspective. And part of that is the whole book came out called Thanks for the Feedback from the founders of the Harvard Negotiation Project after 20 years of their research they concluded, incidentally, the exact same thing. It didn't matter mm -hmm. how much you train people to give feedback if you didn't also train them on how to receive it. Right. And this cuts right. right to the heart of the whole thing about the modern Western quite masculine business orientation is everyone's great at arguing their own perspective, arguing their mm -hmm. own, I wouldn't even say perspective. They think they're right about everything all the time and mm -hmm. they're going to advocate for it really hard and there's very little to no inquiry. Mm. And most leaders, the, the top five competencies of strong leaders have to do with emotional intelligence, mm. which means it has also to do with inquiry and listening and connecting and inspiring and envisioning. Um, so mm. the thing that I do really well is helping people follow the form to prevent injury and uh, to make f exchanging perspectives and perspective taking, as well as having the freedom of speech to offer the truth as you see it your perspective that's huge too and it's framed as a perspective it's the truth as i see it data interpreted nothing more nothing less and when i frame it that way it's not to tear you down or to tell you how you are if you report to me not that at all it has to do with it being my perspective and my experience and then you're able to receive it differently especially mm -hmm. if you're curious to hear more so, Mm. Well, in the beginning of the conversation, you mentioned, you spoke about the integral approach. And if I collected it well, if I understood well, it's a lot about understanding both sides of the picture, not just getting focused on one side and seeing the other as wrong or non-existent. And you mentioned there's some slides. So is, 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 are the slides about that direction or, or yeah. more? We can, we can dive into slide world and, uh, but sure. and let's use the slides to generate the conversation. I think that'd be really Yeah. Cool. I mean, I, I'd love to, I mean, because it's, it sounds like an, uh, a concept that is comprehensible, but at the same time, I saw a few of, uh, at least a couple of your slides, I believe, uh, posted on Facebook and there's so much depth 
in it. And the fact that you mentioned that there's a, a few prepared for this talk, I'm sure there's a lot depth there and I'm very curious to, to dig into it. So, so maybe awesome. we can- This is the warning label is this is rich, dark chocolate cake. This is really, um, uh, it's deeply philosophical. It's highly practical at the same time. And to mm. me, it is an operating system upgrade. There's a metaphor yeah. that's used in here uh, about the Rosetta Stone, and it can really be an unlocking move for starting to see why, where people are coming from based upon their worldviews. So, right. yeah, let me, let's go for it. Cool. And, well, tell me when you're ready, and I'll just quickly ask a question before we, okay, it's loading. So, uh, since I make this, can I speak out? Would you prefer me to wait until you find this the slide? I just was showing everyone my, all the things over yeah, my know. computer. I can find out maybe. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> I'm sure a lot of people will stop and, and just you know, dig into. <laughs> Confidential information. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, go ahead. Did you have another question? Yeah, uh, just a quick question because uh, I present this talk both as a, uh, Pod, uh, as a YouTube video and also as a podcast. So just to check, uh, will the podcast listeners will be able to follow, uh, follow and understand what's happening even without the slides or would, would we suggest them to just at this moment to cut the podcast and to open up the slides? What, what would you say about that? Uh, that helps to know that. And then we, let's speak to it as if there are listeners who can't see okay. the screen and then we can make it work for everyone. Perfect, cool. So th this is just an opening slide on what I'm up to and better to come back to what integral martial arts is once we know what integral is. Mm. But simply put for me, it, it, I've, I've learned that with integral theory, there's so much complexity and it helps to have the, the simplicity on the other side of complexity, mm. meaning it still contains the depth depths of, of understanding like the map is of the territory is complex enough to be useful but not not mm -hmm. so complex that not useful it bogs you down right yeah yeah, yeah. It's, yeah cool yeah, yeah i see so integral martial arts to me is the balance of eastern art and western sport and developing mm -hmm. yourself on and off the map right that's in pairs the simplest way i could put it so what it is <laughs> what, what it is is very quickly, when you look into the notion of integral, you have the feeling from the word that it means holistic or holding perspectives. And it also has implicitly to do, explicitly to do with development, mm. psychological development. Um, and here, just two things. We talked to, these slides came originally, uh, modified them from Stegen Leadership Academy, where I used to work. But this whole notion of consciousness higher levels of development, higher perspectives. Um, there's, there's a current level, everyone's at a current level, mm. and in their, everyone has a next level that they're on their mm -hmm. way towards. And right. we use a simple metaphor about this. A lot of business people they don't watch combat sports as much as they watch football, which is a kind of combat sport. And we would say that when, when you're in the game and on the field, um, you have a certain perspective. And you're subject to that perspective. Right. And there's a, there's a head coach on the field who's in the game. And he's even mm -hmm. helping the players see themselves in real time. 
They're subjective to their performance. He's an objective outside perspective and he's coaching them. And there's a whole other coach in the football game. And where does he sit? You don't know mm-hmm. American football, but the, the other coach sits up in the press box. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a metaphor for having a higher vantage point. It's a higher mm-hmm. consciousness. You can see what can't be seen on the field. Because mm-hmm. you zoom out. You you have more data, but it's not just more data. There's a qualitatively different perspective that you have mm-hmm. from that altitude. So that's mm. the notion of development. It's not just a difference in quantity, it's a difference in quality. And the other metaphor we use for that uh, is software versus operating system. Mm. In the literature, um, psychological development, ego development, adult development, it's sometimes called, or in leadership development, you hear about um, horizontal learning. So mm. if you're at a current level, you're at level three you're running a certain operating system, you can get more information, install more programs, learn more, learn technical skills. Um, But that's decidedly different from vertical development, Hmm. which has to do with increasing complexity or capacity to take more perspectives. Hmm. And it has to do with maturity as well when you talk about ego development, human development. Mm-hmm. Can I question here? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, uh, would you say that one of these two, and I'm probably referring to the developmental one, uh, that it, it's actually kind of more valuable or that it has, uh, it's, I can't find the right English word right now, but is Basically, is it more valuable than the other one? Uh, would you prefer, would you direct a person to focus on one rather than the other? Or is there just uh, tools for, for different realms or different situations? It's a great question because once we learn about vertical development, we think that mm-hmm. being higher is better. Right. There's no correlation between being more complex or more developed and being happier. Okay. <laughs> and right. that, of course, um, Maturity also comes from spending a certain amount of time at each stage. And if you Mm. bypass each stage, then you end up being a little top heavy in your development. Um, Mm. For example, like with Maslow's hierarchy, you have a lot of people who are interested in self-actualization, but haven't had careers or have jobs. Mm. So they end up lopsided in their development and paradoxically, they end up less developed overall vertically. Mm-hmm. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, mm-hmm. because there isn't, and there's not, as we would say in martial arts, they're not very well rounded. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this will tie in with the with the, you know, what the different stages are, and again, that the more complexity you have, that tends to result in more maturity. Okay. So we already know. Oops, we already know this metaphor to just to continue to build on it. And maybe you guys remember um, Microsoft DOS <laughs> for their what? Yeah, I actually yeah, used it. <laughs> yeah, long my first computer. So you got to type yeah. everything. There's no graphical yes. user interface. So that's yeah. one operating system, right? Yeah. And we won't make analogies to martial arts at this point, but, <laughs> but you can 
get the feel for that. Uh, now you go vertically up a level. The first WYSIWYG, what you see is what you get operating system was Windows 3.1, which was just a kind of a hack on the Macintosh yeah <laughs> at the time but and that maybe has some analogies to martial arts as well but that was clearly a vertical move mm. and, the, and the thing here is that windows can run all the software that dos could i mean it's still it transcends and includes dos actually you would start mm. with dos and then you'd go into windows so it has both and it can run programs that you couldn't imagine in dos like God, you can start to do spreadsheets and graphical design right? and all kinds of other stuff. And then mm -hmm. came Windows 95. And what was radically different? What was emergent about that? Mm, actually, let me think. I'm not, I mean, I, I don't think I, I don't, I think, I don't think I experienced the difference between 3.1 and 95. So, so I'll have to be a listener here. Can see. So if we had 20 people on this call, we'd, I'm sure someone would chime it in. But yeah. <laughs> this one included Internet Explorer. Oh, okay. So can you imagine that you went from Windows 3.1 to having access to the World Wide Web because it didn't exist before a certain point in history? Yeah. And what does that mean? You have access to all the world's information, data, right. wisdom, tradition. Right. Uh, mm. So big deal, big difference. Right. So the thing about development through time is, and this is maybe a point to pause on and reflect for yourself and your own journey, is that development definitely corresponds with the uh, biological growth of your brain. And mm -hmm. by the time your brain stops developing around 21 to 25 at the exact age, as the hardware's done developing the software also ceases to develop and mm -hmm. people plateau mm -hmm. in their maturity as human beings okay and their operating system has been onboarded it's kind of synonymous with the hardwiring sometimes you get a little further and then it, that's it and barring sometimes the research shows that later in life if something terrible happens to you like okay. in your death experience or the death of a loved one you start right. having to suffer a bit that the reflection that happens and the meaning making that happens in context of those events can produce vertical development. and it's kind of a mystery we don't know why some people have something bad happen to them and they just become more rigid and fear-based whereas other people actually take it uh, as a point of reflection and they do grow and evolve um, right depends a lot on mindset I think but anyway the idea with with what I think we want to be up to and why we do martial arts is that if you can take on the reflection and the inner work that otherwise would happen by pain of experience later in life invite people to start receiving that feedback that maybe they don't want to hear that's painful because the truth will set you free but first it will piss you off you know that that whole thing that Awareness hurts. Mm. You can invite people into it as a deliberate practice. It's like right. showing up to the, the, the gym every day and getting tapped out little by little. It's not so painful all at once. Like you can yeah. take on your own growth as a human being as a deliberate practice, just like you do on the mat, in the gym, in the dojo. Mm. 
Can I ask a few questions here? Yes, okay. absolutely. Mm. So the first question, uh, it sounds like pain uh, or that discomfort is uh, looking at this diagram. Uh, you mentioned so a person at 50 something, if, if he experiences that kind of forced discomfort, if I could say, then he he's sometimes pushed to develop. Uh, so that and I'm just, I guess, first, I'm just clarifying so that if you open up yourself to that discomfort and to that pain early on, that enhances the development. So if I understood that well, so meaning that discomfort and that kind of pain and uh, difficulties, it sounds like that's an essential part of growth. Would you say, would you say it's that way? I think it's good to have a middle way thing here again. And there's two extremes uh -huh. for that statement because imagine going to the biological mechanism of growth is mm -hmm. stress and response. People think mm. stress is a bad thing. Well, it's not. You go to the gym, you lift weights, your muscles get, your, the, 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 it creates tears in your muscles. Right. Now, if you don't do that at all, your muscles atrophy. Mm -hmm. And we, I think we all know too, if you lift too much, you can actually injure yourself. Right, right. So what's the middle way? Well, productive distress. Okay. That's what's kindest. And it also incidentally is what creates flow because if you have the right amount of challenge, mm -hmm. you know, the amount of skills that you have, then you're in the flow channel. So that's why aliveness is such a powerful um, tool on or off the map for personal growth. There's a level of feedback that is intensely engaging. It calls you to presence. There's a liveness in it. It's authentic. And hmm. it, hurts. It, it, it ultimately hurts so good because you're growing. And that's, that's hmm. beautiful. And the only other thing I'd add is before when you're saying, well, is growing vertically better than just growing horizontally? It, most people are not ready to grow vertically. Okay. And I hate to use the matrix analogy, but <laughs> if you're, most people aren't ready to be unplugged, but genuinely, if you're focused on a certain stage and the curriculum of that stage um, is like to find a job and make money and pay your bills and take care of yourself, that may really not be the right time for you to be growing vertically. And mm. On the other hand, um, there's life happens and so do you want to wait till something bad happens and you don't know how to deal with it or you want to have the kind of mindset where you know how to grow and, and evolve and be resilient um, and i think that's also what's so great about martial arts it instills that mindset it's kind of a chicken egg because a lot of people who don't have that mindset will not stick with something like brazilian jiu-jitsu for very long oh yeah yeah, yeah. for sure and so they, they'll get their lessons later in life but um, mm. there's a wisdom in taking on your development proactively. Say that. Mm. And one more quick question. In this diagram, the, the arrow goes a bit down and then up. And I'm just curious whether that's, that it's, I would presume it's not without a reason. So is, does that mean like in the beginning, there's a dip of loss of confidence or something like that? You're very astute, my friend. What, what would, say more about that. What would, if that was deliberate, well, why would it be? I'm, I'm just uh, guessing right now, but, and even reflecting about my experience, uh, just 
being open to our our lacks of our blind spots initially feels like we are losing our authority or losing our our skill set there's this moment of feeling less and then eventually that leads to growth and i'm just curious that that's at least my perspective i'm curious if that's something to do with if it's similar or related 100% i mean we yeah. know this intuitively right we we yeah. use the analogy of the performance paradox like your winning formula that got you here, say it's your mm. swing or your game A in, in your jujitsu game or right. whatever that is, um, what got you here is now the single greatest thing holding you back from your next level. What got you here <laughs> will get you there. And when you go to rebuild your swing, you get a lot worse. <laughs> and you might not get better. That's the risk you're taking is you're going to reinvent. Mm. You're, you're, and that applies, you know, off the mat and uh, as transformation occurs in human beings, we had a certain way of seeing the world and something that happens or our life conditions changing can force us to really reinvent the way we see things and what's fundamentally is true for us. And of course, Mm -hmm. the journey through martial arts is like that too. Imagine the third dawn and some traditional martial art who is going to go into combat sports. What's going to happen before he gets better again as he rebuilds oh. his fundamentals? Yeah, yeah. He'll be bad <laughs> for a while. <laughs> and then maybe later on the other side of all that training, like a, like a Machida or someone they can reintroduce right. to, you know, the, their old world view on the other side of a new one. And that's so beautiful where some beautiful integrations can happen. Right. Cool. Great. It's, it's very cool that it's, that it's integrated into the, into the slide. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah very astute once again. <laughs> so the, the, so the thought, I won't spend much time here. If, if you guys are curious about the mm-hmm. father of developmental theory, he, Jean Piaget studied cognitive development and we know this, you crawl before you walk, before you run, before you can carry someone else. Mm-hmm. things go in stages there's something intuitive about it and i think that's why the belt system belt ranking system is also so attractive to people they know they're mm-hmm. we are embedded in natural hierarchies and right. hopefully they're hierarchies of competence and not disposition but it, it's it's archetypal to the structure of the universe that there are these stages and children grow through them very easy to see what people don't know is that even once your hardware is done developing, the software can continue to evolve. And that's the whole field of adult development or ego development. So continue growing through more mature stages actually as well. Hmm. Um, this is just a Calvin and Hobbes joke, but <laughs> so for the listeners, it's like Calvin says, want to see something weird. Watch when you put the bread down in the slot in the toaster and push down the lever in a few minutes, toast pops up. Like, wow, where does the bread go? I know. Isn't that <laughs> this is something like we take so for granted, but children go through this phase. Mm. And, and they come to the point where they understand that if you take a tall, skinny glass of water and you pour it into a shorter, wide one, it's still the same amount of water. It's not less mm. because it's a shorter glass. So metaphorically, again, if you can imagine that where you are in your own stage of development, um, there's things similarly that you're not aware of that will be so obvious to you later as you grow. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had a, a, a colleague who was a facilitator 
Um, and he said he keeps a photo of himself on the desk of him in the 80s with the really short shorts and a mullet because he, <laughs> he thought he was cool then. <laughs> and now he could look back and see that that was not cool. And so it reminds him today of how he might also not be cool in the way that he right. today. So that's development. And, and maybe, Rokas, you can look back at your own martial arts journey and mm. see how you used to think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, for sure. It's, and if you exposing, uh, well, if, if I look at my journey, my personal journey, exposing myself to a lot of feedback and being kind of a bit br brutal with, with uh, just, just looking at everything straight to the eyes and not avoiding things, I feel the stages of my development shift quite quickly com comparatively. And it's interesting to watch even sometimes like, like a half year or a year back. And I realized, oh, wow, that, that time it looked like that was a good approach. And now, now I would never do this or I would never do that. And, and of course, and, but it's great, it's great to see that as an important part. I recognize I had to be there, but it's still interesting to recognize that the shift happens and, uh, and now, now the same approach would not suit today. So it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's an evolution for sure. Mm. So mm. this is something most people are familiar with. So I kind of start here to help talk about what integral is, but Maslow's hierarchy of needs, again, mm. the stage model. Uh, some people push back on this and say, look, you don't necessarily need to wait to go all the way up to self-actualization. It can happen earlier and it actually can help people grow through earlier stages if yeah. you have tools like meditation or reflection. So it, mm -hmm. not to be so literal about the stages, but just that these all do exist. You're mm -hmm. either the, the base of the pyramid is getting your physiological needs met. And then, it, you know, then it becomes about safety and, uh, and basically your place to live. Um, and then community, and then success and self-esteem uh, achievement. And then you can see this very clearly as an example of either in martial arts where you know, a fighter, Hickson Gracie is an interesting study of this one, like incredible mm. living legend, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu master. You know, yeah. And again, unfortunately, I think it was because of the deaths of one of his sons. I don't know his story intimately like that, but whatever prompted it in his life conditions, he went from being, you know, the bulldog or the Gracies and mm. the one they originally were going to put into the first UFC. Uh, they decided on Hoist because he, he looked less scary and jujitsu would still work. <laughs> someone who looked like that. But Hickson had a transformation, I think, and um, started mm. yoga, pranayama, meditation, mm. you know, the breath work, in other words. And, and now he now he speaks about invisible jujitsu and connection. Sounds mm -hmm. a whole lot more like Aikido philosophy than what you. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. MMA jujitsu people. So you can see that mm -hmm. also in business people where they make all their money, they have success, but then they're not fulfilled. Right, so right, right. Gold. And then why was that? What's really meaningful to me in my life? What do I really mm -hmm. care about? And what's my purpose? That's where all the the inner work and the self reflection and wow, I'm successful, but I'm really unhappy and I'm broken and wounded with all of it. And yeah. that's maybe what my addic addiction to succeed was about in the first place. So self-actualization comes there. And 
So just another stage model. Um, and the reason I put that up is because with spiral dynamics, it's a system of worldviews that looks at how uh, human consciousness or human culture has evolved through history. Mm -hmm. And we're going to, in pretty short order, uh, transition this to martial arts. But mm -hmm. for the listeners, um, it talks about uh, these are the four core worldviews that you see today. There are others, but these are the most important from a martial arts standpoint. So you start, and they're colored. Um, this, this research has been applied and used to help end apartheid in South Africa, especially with you know, racial relations. They chose colors so that people would have a color other than their skin color, and they could mm -hmm. actually identify with not the types of people, but the types in people. Mm. So if you mm -hmm. look from the surface, you just see um, Christians versus Jews versus Muslims. Mm -hmm. But with integral, you have to ask, well, what type of Christian or Muslim? Mm -hmm. or, or what type of white person or black person? Or mm -hmm. And the worldviews are sets of values, operating systems, human operating systems that we have that are inside of people so you don't see them. But in other words, you may have more in common if you are a postmodern Christian, you may have much more in common with a postmodern Muslim, like a Sufi, mm -hmm. Rumi Muslim, than you will with a Christian radical or Christian fundamentalist, of course. But we don't see that. We just separate things into categories. So when you look from the top, you see the divisions. When you look from the side, you see the vertical development. Hmm. You see the complexity as well. So the red is the, it's a jungle out there. You got to fight to survive. This is the, you know, the biker, the NASCAR, the MMA fighter who's just out to kick ass and, mm -hmm. and win and dominate mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know, has the aggression to do so. It's the godfather, mm -hmm. it's gangster rap, it's all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and not to go in too deep here, because I want this to be about martial arts, but in the history of evolution of culture, you had the early empires, and then you went to more of the Judeo-Christian worldview, which had to do with codes of conduct and how to curb all the impulsive, animalistic, doggy dog kind of stuff. So you have codes of conduct in every religion and every culture from Hammurabi code to Ten Commandments, to all that kind of stuff. That's, there's, there's truth. There's one right way. And if you delay your impulse gratification, then there's later reward. Mm -hmm. And you can probably see already where this is going for martial arts, but you know, basically the whole rational enlightenment and scientific progress and evolution, best practices, the sportive whole Western thing that comes online, rationality, uh, playing the game to win, um, materialism, that came next. And then just in the last, since the 1960s, you have kind of things tilting so much to the materialistic side of the spectrum that the 1960s were largely about restoration of feminine values and spiritual mm -hmm. values and interfaith and reconciliation and all the colors of the rainbow. And you can also see why there's, if you have any one of these worldviews and you, I mean, pause and reflect all the listeners too. 
where are you today? What would you say? And it may be a primary, secondary, or you may have a little bit of everyone, or you may have gone through these. They don't just go vertically step by step. Mm. In most cases, it's a little more messy than that. Mm -hmm. But um, this is, you, you can see where you've been, I think, especially if you've emerged from like a Christian fundamentalist community and, or if you've come out as a gay man or woman, there's sometimes you differentiate yourself from where you came from. And that's part of growing up as an adult, whether it has to do with those things or not, there are, there are patterns. Hmm. So any, I'm curious, why don't we go right into like, what does this have to do with martial arts? Can you hmm. guess if red, blue, orange, green, what do you think a red martial art? Well, I, I might be a bit of a cheater here because I did see, I, and I didn't stick with it for like forever. I, I just glimpsed through it and looked at it and I realized how cool it is. But so I, I did see, I think, a part of your explanation about this. So, so I might be a bit cheating here, but I, I, but I don't remember exactly so I, I can try to say so it might might it may be a bit of a mix of knowing and not knowing is that okay of course okay yeah. so so my guess would be the red would be just primitive primal fighting no structure bar barbarians okay yeah primal self dance there you go <laughs> and actually your words i like just as well i i'm choosing these labels so primitive is just right. as good i mean gladiator you know fighting to the death Self-defense, self we call it today, but it's fighting for survival. Yeah. Like uh, death, different than fighting right. to win. Right, 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 right. Now, blue, who I, I would have to think a bit more up ahead on what the next levels are after that, but then blue. This is the <sighs> traditional consciousness in every culture. Right. Well, I, I, I wanted to go to two ways in my mind. Uh, I thought about looking at traditional martial arts, but also I'm considering maybe this is still to do with just uh, collective, uh, kind of collective ways of fighting um, in terms of uh, professional armies appearing or uh, just a kind of a code to fighting or systemized fighting. I'm not sure yet, but th that's one of the right considerations I have and I couldn't coin the name right now but that is I a would... perfect analogy the military is rank and file it's top-down hierarchy police right. are very blue um, mm -hmm. and religion traditionally mm -hmm. is very blue so you know like it or not that is the same yeah, traditional martial arts either evolved in context mm -hmm. of the temple traditions of Asia Mm -hmm. so they had all of the, the meditative practices embedded in them and or they evolved in context of something like the shogunate and the samurai and right. bushido or in the in the west you know the whole thing of chivalry and knights and the, the right. kind of conduct that people adhered to in europe so same in other words different countries same worldview it's very top-down hierarchical and it's about right. mastery of the form mm -hmm. perfect mm -hmm. mastery of the form and self-discipline right. so that you can curb those red animalistic egocentric impulses 
so that you can mm -hmm. be in social contract, the social order and the truth that dictates that social order is, is, is of primary importance. The conformity mm -hmm. is part of what's mm -hmm. needed in, at that point in terms of a life. Well, there's a very interesting insight I have in my mind as I, as I think about both orange and green. But, but before I go there, I'll, I'll try to figure out the, the next level. So the orange, uh, based on this structure, I would consider to go to a kind of practical mar functional martial arts in terms of really uh, kind of personal discovery of truth in martial arts rather than traditional martial arts in that sense can be still, it can be not the most effective, but, but the right thing for, for the whole, uh, for the whole, I'd say structure, but this, the orange would be more about productivity, about questioning the functionality of, of those, of, 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 of the, of the practical aspect. So I guess it would be more combat sports, but, that's my guess. That's what I say. Okay. <laughs> yeah, modern combat sports is the whole mm. modern worldview, which again, that if you've not read the uh, John Nash articles from the Bloody Elbow, um, mm. heck of a website name, but uh, <laughs> fascinating history on the modernization of martial arts. People think it started with UFC. It did not start with UFC. It started with, um, certainly with Jigoro Kano, the founder of Judo, mm -hmm. who was modern educated. And I think early on his jujitsu inst instructors kept dying or passing away or he ended up moving. And so he started incorporating what worked best from each of the traditional jujitsu systems. And mm -hmm. he was also modern educated and wanted it to be sportive. Of course, you're coming in the Meiji era, you're coming out of World War II and all the the um pardon me not world war ii this is pre-world war ii confusing aikido history here for a minute but the, the whole opening the gates to the west and modern education right. so yeah, yeah. he was teaching women and children and westerners which was unheard of to the traditional establishment mm -hmm. and yeah. so he very quickly turned it into a sport removed the nastier elements and removed the striking so that you could go full bore and yeah, to your point, find out what worked, what, what forms were functional. It's a great story. And, and then the same thing happening happened with all the folk wrestling styles as it evolved into catch wrestling in the West. And the two met and became MMA and the rest is, well, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is not to be passed over there either. Um, and the founders of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, of course, started the UFC, which led to mixed martial arts, which continues to evolve. So... That's how the story goes. Um, and then you may have a good guess as, as to, so we're going kind of uh, primitive or primal to mm. traditional to modern, postmodern. Mm. After the modern era came a postmodern, not to be confused mm. with uh, radical academic Marxist postmodernism, although it <laughs> does overlap with that, but there's mm -hmm. also kind of, uh, an evolution in human consciousness that had to do with you know, the spiritual development to match the material development um, mm -hmm. and all the world's religions coming together and Eastern spirituality coming to the West in the form of various kinds of meditation and comp combining with Western psychology. I think that's really 
put it in a positive light what the postmodern stage is about. So what do you what do you, what do you think the one martial art is that corresponds with this? Well, uh, in the purest form of it, I mean it's it it relates to Aikido then. Yeah. I don't know quite the right label for this one, so I call it um, martial yoga. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's you could say holistic art, or you could say somatic art, or a body mind, or a personal development, or a life practice. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is the evolution here. Is that much like the business person who was so successful materially, then sells their business and their, their life has, it, it didn't fulfill them or have meaning. There's something mm -hmm. that I think happens for some of us when we study martial arts and it's specifically why we're drawn to arts like Aikido because we want to look at the origin of conflict and violence and bring actually a higher consciousness to the resolution of conflict. And that, that conflicts start not on the mat, Conflicts start between egos. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing about, well, why am I getting triggered and angry? What does that mm -hmm. have to do with my own ego? And, and if I can transcend my own ego because ultimately my enemy is a projection of something inside of me, then mm -hmm. maybe I can bring the kind of presence that can transform that conflict into something productive that produces growth. Aikido is a physical metaphor. Mm -hmm. And you can see with any one of these how if you only are hailing from one of the worldviews, you're going to be in instant conflict with all the others. Yeah. Because they sure. think their truth, even, and even Aikido, love, peace, and harmony, if those are your values, they're not the only values that are actually correct. Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, and the, this, this, was, this is similar to the insight I, I was having in my mind. And through my own experience and also through various conversations, if the the danger I would see here, if, if a person there's the kind of the green sounds most uh, mature or or beautiful, but kind of the highest version, but then if it's not backed up by an understanding of the other levels, for me, especially right now, the modern combat sports, or even not being able to acknowledge the, the primal self-defense if it's shunned away and if it's, if it's seen as, as negative and uh, it's not accepted, then that green level, it, it feels, it feels not, almost, not only shallow, but kind of empty. It's, 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 it doesn't, it, it would be a frame without substance for me. If so, and what, which, why I also come back in my mind to, to or sensei to Mark Hiroshiba's story, he was also very much, uh, he experienced all those levels very well before he expressed Aikido, but sometimes, but we want to be straight away that pure, beautiful version. And I think that's sometimes where Aikido is a bit tricky because there's the desire to go there without passing other, other, other levels. And, and I'm not sure if it really works that way. So, so that's, that's where that spiral for me uh, looks very intriguing to, to kind of understand the whole substance of it and not just focusing. Again, as you said, if you focus on just one level, then something is going to be amiss. That is so beautiful. 
what you're saying. It's so intuitive. And mm. I think for all of us, we all know the inherent contradiction. Green is called the mean green meme, which is a worldview sometimes. Because look, mm. at, look at the inherent contradiction. Love, peace, and har harmony and tolerance of all the colors of the rainbow, except I am totally intolerant of all the previous stages. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm not, so I'm intolerant of violence and competition that there's another contradiction where that leaves me incapable of attaining a nonviolent non outcome or mm -hmm. be repressed as to my anger so that when I'm pressure tested at all, my passivity becomes aggression mm -hmm. very quickly. So Integral was created in a way, uh, and maybe there's one more slide here. The whole notion of Integral is what you just said. It's to transcend and include, to find a healthy expression for within yourself all of the previous stages because you've arrived to your place, arrived to a place in your development where you realize that your truth is not the only truth mm -hmm. actually correct. It's like cutting off your nose to spite your face. And this is a particular stage in human development. And maybe you can reflect on it and identify it where you went. I'm really rational as a human being. I think mm -hmm. that I see the world in this way. And I'm still getting triggered by something that causes me cognitive dissonance. Now, mm -hmm. instead of only becoming better at arguing for my own worldview, <laughs> which is very yeah. mature thing to be able to do as an adult, mm -hmm. I'm now more curious because of the cognitive dissonance and how something triggers me or upsets me or how I might be missing something. How does that opposite perspective actually mirror something to me that completes me, that is a part of me in a way that I haven't fully acknowledged? And that's mm -hmm. another zoom out. And um, this is why complexity is generally associated with development because you can, as soon as you're developmentally of age, like you can think, somewhat rationally, mm -hmm. you could have any values you want. And you see this, you see people who are very um, immature who have postmodern values mm -hmm. or who have traditional values. Like, have you ever met, you know, like a fundamentalist vegan <laughs> or a fundamentalist atheist? Mm -hmm. The fundamentalism is a stage of development and it could have any of these values. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So becoming integrated, it's like traveling into other cultures, seeing what's of value there, being willing to immerse yourself in it and see what might be there for you. Mm. You can find a healthy expression of all of these. Right, right, right. Mm. So that's cool. what I mean by integral martial arts. And, mm. um, it's used in integral leadership as well. So for those listening, again, even if it's something like situational leadership where you you can be supported and directive you can coach and give direction most leaders you only use one style and they use a style that works for them and mm -hmm. that may not work for the people who report to them mm -hmm. so, it's, so it's again about versatility one of these has potential in it sometimes mm -hmm. you have to come on strong sometimes you need rank and file Right. Sometimes you need collaboration and personal growth and sharing feedback, perspective taking, self-reflection. And sometimes you just need good data and high performers 
and a good strategy and you execute. So it's about idea meritocracy, the best ideas winning. So if you have these as tools in your toolkit, then they're gonna, and, and this is about martial arts too. So why don't, why don't we talk about it in that light? Like what, what does this have really to do with martial arts? Like what's different even about combat sports from self-defense? Or what might you get from a traditional martial art if you're doing a very green style of Aikido? Mm -hmm. And what does this have to do with like the capacities that exist in an individual martial artist? Like, what if you're just very sport oriented and you know, some of the downfall of sport is like in judo, you're not allowed to grab the pants anymore or the legs. Mm. Or you, you end up in kendo like playing tag but it's not the kind of cut that would kill someone but you sure. have a point for it so this is the discussion that we can enter into now and hopefully mm. this is something of a rosetta stone as well that can help us decipher the debates and the arguments that go on on youtube all over the place mm. why people get so rooted in their own worldview and their own beliefs mm -hmm. And we tend to acknowledge the healthy side of our own worldview and only characterize other people's worldviews by their unhealthy expressions. We don't see any truth in it. Mm -hmm. so this, is, this is the discussion, basically. All right. All right. Is, is, if I could ask a question here, um, that's through that whole spiral is there any advice that you would have for a person to to make the transition or to make that journey smooth smoother or more efficient is there is there some guideline or is it just something that happens by itself well it, it is it depends on why you're training like no one has to deliberately take on their personal development off the map it's beautiful and perfect that there are people at each of these stages and they're getting what they need. Um, I think the analogy I used in one of our other talks is um, if you are interested in personal growth, it becomes more about getting the juice out of the orange. Hmm. But what happens is people hold on to the rind. The rind is meant to be thrown away. Hmm. What that means is you can become fixated at the stage that you're at and actually um, it's cross-training and either on or off the mat cross-training into other approaches that is going to serve you in just like traveling into another country and learning another language. You're going to absorb the values and that's going to produce a different kind of personal development mm. than if you only remain in one place. Now, mm. But what does that mean? How do you become more well-rounded if you're interested in that? In that mm -hmm. Martial arts with the purpose of growing as a human being. Well, just check out each one of these worldviews. The self-assessment. You know, if you're a traditional martial artist, what does that mean for you? Mm -hmm. Or maybe you're a traditional martial artist who graduated to doing combat sports. Mm -hmm. So you're probably good on the traditional stuff and form, but you know, if you're just playing a combat sport, then what would it be like to go to a Tony Blauer workshop or 
something on you know, meditations on violence or actually do some scenario training with weapons or multiple attackers mm. you know, or people jumping you surprise attacks just even mm. physically we're talking about physically training in a different way right. it's a different experience and for all you guys who think aikido is touchy-feely or doesn't work in a fight that's okay it's a form of yoga body mind practice it's a metaphor that would invite you into the world where how you're showing up on the mat is a metaphor for how you're showing up off the mat. Right. We, used to uh, we used to joke that you're either a pushover or you like to push people. So in other words, mm -hmm. like Bruce Lee would say too, the self-knowledge comes from training on the mat and to engage with another person. I, I, I really value self-knowledge through human contact. That's what's mm -hmm. so about the aliveness. But then to have a coach, a personal coach, or a life coach, or a therapist, even, who, who helps you explore that, um, and so that you're actually working on yourself, your own ego, your, your personal style, and overcoming the dysfunctions and the unhealthy aspects of how you show up, um, that's going to help you in your career. If you're someone who is an individual contributor, you, you're just focused on your professional development, you want to move up you will hit a ceiling if you don't also take, you won't even make a very good manager. You don't tend to your personal development. And so much of the Aikido metaphor has to do with centering and presence and being able to receive people's verbal attacks and take those perspectives and redirect that energy and to, into something constructive. That has everything to do with conscious communication, and conflict resolution and inner work. Um, and leadership ultimately. So Aikido may have something for you, even if only as a metaphor, but don't, don't conflate it with uh, it being only something that is a physical practice. Mm. It's a gateway into a whole different way of relating to why you're training. Mm. See, well, since there was so much information and and quite compact i mean quite a lot in a, in a, in a brief time there's a couple more questions if i can ask yeah Just, please uh, i'd rather open it back up again for discussion and uh, no it's, it's, well, it's two two more things which are on my mind so one um i think it'll be related to what we spoke about but also out of my personal interest you mentioned i think in, in the mess in Facebook Messenger we, we, that we spoke before, uh, the hero's journey, that it's somewhere integrated into your, uh, into your, in, into what you do. And that, I, I find it very fascinating, that whole concept. Could you tell a bit about how you integrate it into your work, uh, the whole hero's journey of uh, Joseph Campbell? Yeah, I, I do have... Um, I do have one more slide on that, but I'll just, I'll just, I'll just talk to it at this point. Um, okay. I think you spoke to it well as well that, um, you know, Joseph Campbell, so, some people joke that if you ask them their religion, they'll say Joseph Campbell <laughs> because it doesn't have to do with religion. It has what his work has to do is with mythology and he studied all the world's cultures and religions and basically acknowledged a single story that had discrete stages that was running through all the different cultures. And it is the story of personal growth. It's the, it's the human story. And um, 
you recognize it because, and he was a student of Carl Jung, who looked at his, his depth psychology and the, um, the archetypes, mm. the inherent structures in the human experience that mm. help craft the way the arc of a story goes. Now, Joseph Campbell's greatest student was the uh, founder of Star Wars. So inherently in George Lucas's stuff, you see the hero's journey. And it's so universally appealing um, because it always starts and you're in the known world. You said this as well. You're in the known world and Luke Skywalker at the beginning. And, you know, he's kind of a whiny and experienced fool. He's, he's, he's a child in a way. And then the call to adventure comes. And it's, at first he doesn't accept it. Mm. And then once, once you do have the resolve to accept the call to adventure, then you're on your journey. And sometimes you're thrown into it. Sometimes you lose into it. Right. Um, and then along the way, you meet the, the master and you get awarded different tools or weapons or resources to help you along your way. And you ultimately go out on your journey from the known to the unknown. And the unknown really um, has to do with going away on a quest to confront an evil enemy. But it also is a journey inside of your own unconscious. And Star Wars is so brilliant in that way, whether it's the scene where he goes into the cave or just the fact of Darth Vader is dark father, like Luke, I am your father. So your enemy literally is intimately connected to you and mm -hmm. you're at risk of becoming if you don't confront that. Right. Take care of it within yourself. And if you do, and when you do, there's the moment of uh, triumph and apotheosis, and then you return to the world bearing gifts and here to here through there and you're home again, but at a higher octave. And that's the story of development. It's, you can hear mm -hmm. it in music as well, where it's, there's an exposition and a development phase that's more stormy, and then you return to the original theme. So it's this universal stuff. And um, every one of us, I believe, is on our own personal hero's journey. And it has to do with developing as a mm -hmm. human being, and it has to do with awakening as well. Mm -hmm. So how does that play in? Um, Sometimes it's the backdrop for some of the workshops we would run, but mm. it's just kind of implicitly part of understanding uh, what we're all up to here and what that has to do with um, the stuff we just covered and mm. you know, what you're ultimately confronting in yourself. What, why are we doing martial arts? Why are you doing martial arts? And if mm. you've learned enough in one place, when is it time to move on? That's a hero's dream. I mean, you wrote us, it's called Martial Arts Journey, again. And you're mm. on your journey. And mm. it's, uh, going into the belly of the beast, that, that's the motif of death and resurrection, death and rebirth. Mm. And there is a, that kind of a transformational reinvention that happens when you have the courage to um, step out of the known world and into mm. Matt Thornton's six-month program. <laughs> like, you will not be the same sure. yeah. after all of this. And so that's certainly what it has to do with martial arts and mm. life. Cool. And the last official question, um, for people who are listening, uh, most people will be from a martial arts background. So from the perspective of, of, of the, of the integral way, what would, what would your, and it's a difficult, difficult to phrase this, but, 
what would your uh, advice or suggestion would be for their personal growth uh, I mean, as a coach or, or, or just as a fellow martial arts practitioner? What would you, if you could share this one message that you feel would aid in their journey, what, what would that be? Yeah, that's a great and important question. Um, I, I would come back to the simplicity of how I defined integral martial arts to begin with. Um, mm. There are certain things that can, that, that the research shows do produce development. And mm. I think part of the mission that integral martial arts has in terms of the on and off the mat part is that you commit yourself to growing as a human being on and off the mat. And there's an, there's an upside to that because if, Think about how you can tune the software on a car. You get way more horsepower out of it. So just for the sake of, if you only want to be better physically, work on your mental game. Because if you upgrade the operating system, you're going to be better technically too. So um, I would say commit yourself to both. And again, the mission for us is I want to connect people with coaches on and off the mat. If you have mm -hmm. a coach, that's the personal development methodology of our day. And they'll help um, support you in committing time to achieving whatever your goals are in that way mm. or working on yourself in that way or becoming a better martial artist in that way. Um, mm. The other thing is to cross train, cross train mm. on the mat, cross train off the mat. If, mm. you if you're a traditional martial artist, what are your priorities? If self-defense is in the top three and it's not self-development, that is the reason you're doing it. What percentage of your time do you give to cross training? Is it even 1%? Is it 2%? What if it were 10%? What would that mean? Is it, a, is it a class a week if you train every day? Just it really invite you to take one class of judo or wrestling or Brazilian jiu-jitsu or an MMA class. It's only going to open your mind in, in a very radical way. And if you're a combat sport person um, and you keep score, and you're interested still in self-defense, then go do those um, uh, things that have to do with uh, more primal or uh, weapons-based or self-protection as well as self-defense. Mm. Get into some of that stuff. Learn how to fight with a weapon. That's what it has meant to be a warrior for millennia. Mm. Learn how to fight with a weapon. That's mm. so fun to put on a kendo helmet and just go for it. Then mm. mix in your grappling. See what happens. Do, do HEMA. HEMA is popular these days. It's okay. a mind opener. And, and lastly, um, it's the off the mat cross training. Meditate. Mantra meditation, mindfulness meditation. The research shows that it does uh, occasion vertical development. It can. Um, having a coach. And then get, if, if you're more business-minded or practical, get into leadership training. There's so mm. much out there that, that will help you grow as a, as a human being, as a leader. And if you're an Aikido person or, or someone that wants to embody the values of Aikido, then go learn nonviolent communication. Go do the work of Byron Katie. Um, go do the, even go do something like you know, the Landmark Forum or Shadow Work. Like mm. cross train in those tools so that you can apply the same mindset of finding what forms are functional to your personal development. So certain things will work and certain things work less and you have to be willing to uh, go into the places where you're getting emotionally triggered and deal with those things. 
that's what's happening on the mat too. How much of the game is mental? Hmm. So how well do you manage your stress? How identified are you with winning that belt? Are you truly free and honestly expressing yourself spontaneously with aliveness? If your mind or your underlying belief system, or your mindset, there's so much work to there to be done. So that's the simple message. Cross-train on and off the mat. Get different mm. kinds of coaches on and off the mat. And meditate. And, uh, mm. Hopefully that will help. Uh, help you manage your stress and, and be more focused and present, if nothing else. And at best, take you on a journey. Cool. Great, great. Well, as I mentioned, there, there was definitely a lot. And I'm sure... It'll take me a while to digest everything, and I'm sure the same for the listeners. Uh, the only last thing I, I want to open up is for people who would be interested to know more about your work, uh, what, where should they look into? Uh, so, yeah. Thank you. I'll answer that, and then I have one last question for you, too. Um, yeah, sure. So for Integral Martial Arts, um, we, we do have a body-mind-spirit cross-training kind of format, like I said. That's MMA for self-defense. So actually, if you are a martial arts instructor or, or practitioner and you want to have a kind of well-rounded self-defense system that uses modern combat sports, but you train with a, um, I say modern self-defense traditional dojo, you can still have that, the, the dojo um, Eastern flavor to the training. You're welcome to come and train anytime. Um, we offer training and then coaching and meditation and we have group meditation before every class actually. So that's the stillness and motion and, uh, bring the mindfulness into training. Cause it's one thing to be centered while you're meditating. It's quite another thing to breathe and stay centered while you're getting punched. So that's a, it will actually raise the fight or flight threshold and really cultivate a beautiful centered presence. Mm. Yeah. So I love that. Um, secondly, I, I do have a leadership coach training that builds mm. on the same metaphor of cross-training mm. that, that mixed martial arts does. So we cross-train in, mm. in different coaching toolkits because some people are coaches, some people are consultants, some people are you know, mediators, and some people do more the, the inner work, self-inquiry. Mm. So there's a little bit of everything there. And I believe that just like mixed martial arts produces some of the most effective um, fighters or martial artists on the planet, that's the same mm. here. You can become a very effective coach, leadership coach through the cross training and, and everything that's out there. These different circles. So integralmartialarts.com or in Santa Barbara, California, not a bad place to come visit anyway oh, yeah. uh, on vacation. <laughs> uh, and if you do want either an on the mat or an off the mat curriculum for your dojo, you don't have to be any particular kind of dojo or academy or gym. If you want to um, bring in a self-defense curriculum that's MMA based, to help mm. upgrade things or well-round, make things more well-rounded, or you want the off-the-mat curriculum. We kind of do um, wrist, like belt ranks in coaching off the mat. So there's a whole curriculum and it also can support you financially in providing uh, multiple opportunities to your students. If you want to start offering coaching or meditation, that's, that's another way to help create what otherwise I call an integral, more integral or academy. So there's opportunities, there's a lot. Um, and it's just the on the mat, off the mat thing. Said simply, mm. if you're interested in that, um, reach out. And mm. my question back to you, if you have a few yeah. minutes to answer it, is this is a lot. And I wonder, as you reflect on your own journey, 
like what stages have you seen yourself go through either with the colors or where are you now mm. sure thanks for the question um well i feel so i'm still reflecting but so as i grew up in a rough town uh i was always so i was always very much a pacifist in that sense uh i was always mm, I was the the silent kind of quiet child, more more introverted, more more contemplative. I got into meditation very early, and uh, I started off with my first martial art, official martial art, Aikido. So I feel I was drawn to that green from early on, but at the same time, intuitively, I probably was missing and feeling that I do need that potato and meat and potatoes <laughs> level and on my free time i would do some some crazy training just hitting the the punching bag or something but that was not really encouraging me especially by my first instructor so i think i was i was trying to live up to that green level while secretly trying to work on on the on the red and on the blue but I didn't spend so much time in it. And I think that's where it kind of created that dysfunction in me. Uh, and I think that's why I brought that subject up because I, I resonated with it. Uh, because after, our, so I trained for a few years, then I moved to become a Nuchideshi in a program which was very much focused on the green, on the green level. It was like a lot, pretty it's much. It's interesting almost, even in Aikido, you can right. see there's a green Aikido and there's a blue Aikido. Blue True. Yeah, yeah, very much. All classical, crisp, which those guys came from that background, but then they right. have a very green personal development. Right, which yeah. is also interesting when, when you say that, it's interesting to, when, when we look at the, at the diagram, either Aikido tends to be on the green or on the blue, but the orange is missing. <laughs> that link is not the there. The sandwich, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's and so yeah. what you said about Osensei as well. We try to yeah. imitate Osensei. And, and do you want to follow in the footsteps of, of the masters or seek what they sought? Osensei did go through all of those stages to get to yes. where he created Aikido. And we just imitate him instead of becoming him. Right. Yeah. And so I feel while, while I really benefited from the green, but I, I learned a lot of great concepts, which I feel up to this day, I'm trying to implement. But then while part of them worked for me, at the same time, I started to feel there's something missing. There's some authenticity missing, some, some, some weight missing behind it. And I think that's where I started questioning things. And as I questioned, so I, I was I, I definitely experienced the blue. I definitely experienced, I, I believe I experienced the green level, right. but then I was missing, I think I was missing the, the red, I was missing the orange, and that's where it turned, turned to. And in, in the published, in the published um, material that, that's on YouTube of my journey, I think exposing myself to the Aikido versus MMA uh, sparring I think part of it was even red. It was it was that it wasn't really violent at all, but it was it was more than my system was ready to handle. I was so used to that pure, almost metaphysical green mm -hmm. that reality was was like being hit by a truck. 
and uh, and I think it had an impact on me. And and the, and eventually, when I cut my ties with my previous with my previous Aikido organization, I mean with my former Aikido organization, I think I went a bit wild. As a retrospect, I was like, "Oh, now I can go red, <laughs> and I can just say whatever I want. I mean, not only what I want, but what I feel in myself." So I actually, as I look. At, into it, uh, back into it, I think I, I became quite negative, but, but that was that desire to be primal. That's where I became interested in just in spear, which is very much about that, that physical aspect. And also yeah. there's, but, but it's, it's quite primal there. There's a lot of primal Flinch, there. Flinch responses and right, right, right. with people who are mugging you or trying to kill you. Right. Exactly. Oh, like, thing. like no rules, just through a lot about survival and, and so, so, so I, I felt I needed that, and uh, and as I'm getting myself with, uh, as I'm getting that into my system now, I'm very much interested in the orange. I believe that's why I want to go to to Portland to experience that. I think I'm gonna get a package of of, of a lot of things, not just that, but I feel that's that's still missing in my system. I, I still want that. I still want a bit of that primal <laughs> in myself but what's beautiful is that the more i do these things the more i feel I, I i reconnect with the green and that's where i mentioned i kind of wanted to go into that red level of just say whatever is on my mind allow myself to swear and and other things and that was liberating that, that felt great but then yeah. i realized but then i realized it's 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 still not really entirely me it's uh, i that green is still important for me it's still somewhere there and now i'm starting to slowly feel it those those trying to mix and and get a clear shape of what's what and and they they start to have slowly they're starting to have their own respected space rather than in the past i made a video about this too and where i said that in the green level it's like oh the red is is impure. I don't go there. It's messy. We we don't. It's like it's not That's part ego. of ego. That's violent. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's like oh, I have nothing to do with that. It's like well, no. It's uh, it's beautiful part. Beautiful. It's the it's the animal. It's what we've inherited. Right. Yeah. So and it's aliveness. It's beautiful. Right. And so it's not somewhere. That's not something I live in. <laughs> it's not how I would communicate with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> But but still, without it, I feel the, the the green and all the other levels wouldn't really be full, wouldn't be authentic. So I'm just really trying to to feel like they're they're supporting each other, and and I just become more and more enthusiastic about being fulfilled in all of them. And so that's that's where these doors are open up, opening up for me, and that desire to rediscover all of the levels rather than just try to go try to skip a few. <laughs> right. I wonder mm. too how how are you changing off the mat as as a human being as you go on this journey in your in these different worldviews. Yeah, that that's a great good question as well. Um, it's that the journey, the whole journey for me that's that's started, and especially with questioning. I questioned, I guess, I questioned the, both the blue and the green, and uh, it's something I I haven't yet spoken publicly so much, and I want to is the whole being in the role of sensei that was very much a part of me i was like 24 7 not well almost 24 like 20 <laughs> slash 7 
I was playing the role of the sensei, which was part, it was part, partly authentic, but at the same time, I was repressing some parts of myself mm. uh, because people would imagine me as the being who has that and that quality. And if I would drink a beer outside and people would see me, they would get, uh, they would get upset. They would think, they would say, ah, so he's a fraud. He's not real. Whatever he said doesn't make sense. I mean, it's not true then anymore. And, and in the beginning, I got afraid of that. And then I started to repress those things so that people would appreciate what I have to share on and off the mat. And only then, as I started questioning things and I started questioning how I present myself, what, what really matters, what really works, I started losing that, letting go of that image of a sensei, mm. of having to play a certain role. And as I did that, and I'm still finally feeling I'm becoming comfortable with that, just being myself and uh, being expressing both my, my, my strengths and weaknesses, being comfortable with my flaws and allowing myself to whatever people think to if I want a beer, a glass of beer, I can, I drink a glass of beer. It's like, well, if people have trouble with that, that's their problem. That's not my problem. So that's that, that way that definitely changed my communication, my, my way I, I hold myself, the way I, I look at myself in the past, there was quite a lot of stress, always that, that process of thinking, okay, so, so is this the right thing to do? Can I allow myself to do that? And now I'm more asking myself, so what's authentic? What's real? What's true for me? Whatever others think, same applies to, to feedback, to making mistakes. I'm much more open to making mistakes, to failing and to sharing those failures. So, so all of that and plus that primal aspect, of not being afraid of of getting messy not not that i would engage by desire but in the past i was i was i had i have to be honest i was afraid of that i was like well if this, this guy looks rough and if he starts to get into trouble i i will feel uncomfortable now it's like well well you know i, I messy is okay i don't mind messy if he if he wants to talk i can talk i won't feel uncomfortable so it, there's just so much there, but, but just to sum it up, I definitely feel much more natural and accepting of both my, my strengths and flaws. And, and that just allows me to be much more at ease rather than in the past, it was much more holding a certain weight, trying to live up to something. And, and, and what, what's great from that is that I, I feel it, it benefits much more well, in the beginning, my students were shocked to realize I'm a human being. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a difficult experience for them. Right now, I feel the benefits of them realizing that we're all, we're all human beings. <laughs> no one is God. No one is a God-like creature, I think. But, but then the fact that we can still do our best to become our, the best versions of ourselves, I think that's much more empowering than in the past, as you said, People trying to recreate the style of their teacher, even if they're, if they're you know, so much smaller and shorter, they still try to do the same and act the same. It's crazy. It doesn't work that way. So that authenticity, I think it's much more empowering and I'm much more happy about the results that are out there. Yeah. Man, thank you for sharing. I, I hear you shedding the, the old identity and you know, mm. coming out uh, and, you know, the, the butterfly is an amazing symbol of transformation. And so many of the values you're speaking to are the values of, of the integral stage. 
And it is mm. so much about functionality and aliveness mm. and, and actually presence and love too. But it's yeah. a different kind of presence and love. It's one that's a product of dozens of iterations of mm. uh, actually being willing to confront the darkness, being willing to get hit. And then mm. to have the fearless kind of presence that loves not from a place of fear, but loves from a, a, a space of expanded presence. And right. you, don't, you don't do that until you spar. Can, it's like, can you yeah. take those green values onto the orange and red mat? How about now? Can you mm. even stay centered now? Can you be loving now? Can you be peaceful now? That's resilience. Right. That's a centered presence. And that's a higher stage of human consciousness that we're only just beginning to see the power of. And so I, I love watching your journey. I love watching seeing you go uh you couldn't be in better hands with uh matt thornton and his team there um, mm. his whole philosophy is about aliveness and the other word you said which is so personal to me is empowerment right i want you to tap me out i don't want to be the master we grow each other it is iron sharpens iron we are a band of brothers and sisters uh, and together we grow so right it's tough for people to shed the old identities and the top-down mm. hierarchies. And if we're, if we're willing to, then a whole different kind of um, system and a whole level, different level of connection emerges, I think, mm. between people as well. And that's, uh, that's certainly why I'm here. It's for empowerment. And uh, mm. I love seeing you get empowered. So, Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Lucas. Thank you. Thank you again for, for sharing for sharing all of this. Ah, cool. my, my pleasure, absolutely. All right.